Hello, and welcome to the Nonprofit Radio Show, a podcast with tips and tools for small nonprofits. If you feel in the dark about how to run a nonprofit, sunshine is on its way. I'm Nancy Bacon, and I'm joined by Sarah Brooks. And I want to share a challenge I've been having because I think it's really relevant to small nonprofits trying to find their way forward. Ooh, I'm so intrigued, Nancy. What what possible mystery challenge could you be talking about today? I hope you have your mystery kit because I'm about to unravel it. So several times over the past year, I've found myself listening to a discussion and wishing that the people talking would stop telling us what they do and instead tell us how they do it. So let me give you an example. I was sitting in an equity webinar where a trainer was listing what a nonprofit should do to center equity. It felt like a checklist rather than a planning session. You know, we know that if equity were easy, we'd all be in a very different place right now. You know, so I listened to this checklist and what I really wanted to talk about was how to do all of those steps within the reality of where nonprofits are today. Oh, for sure. That how is is where you can do it right and sometimes do it really wrong, right? Oh, so much. You know, I attend a lot of webinars and meetings. I know you do too. And this challenge of separating what from how seems to be endemic in our work. I think it really matters. Like, I know they're two words and you're like, ah, words don't matter all that much. These words do matter. It's like an iceberg where the what is what we see at the tip. It's what appears above the water's surface. Underneath the water is the how, and that's the hard work to make the what happen. There are so many decisions to be made figuring out the how. You know, we we talk so much on this show about values. We talk about methods. We talk about partnership. Those are all the barriers that hold you back from success. That's the how. For sure. You know, and on a really, really simple level, I was just reading an article online Um, that I'm sure was total clickbait on the best chocolate chip cookies. And it it was a recipe, right? So the what was like, I love chocolate chip cookies. I would like to find the best chocolate chip cookie. What was so interesting was the how was completely different in all three recipes. So in one, you mixed the ingredients in a certain order. In the other, you refrigerated the dough for a long time. And in the third, you you actually brought together some kind of funky ingredients that I don't usually think of as being in a chocolate chip cookie. The what was getting to the great chocolate chip cookie, but the how was completely different. And it made me realize after talking to you briefly about this topic as one we would explore in this episode, that the how matters a lot. And there might not always be one right how. What was so cool about this recipe was that they showed you the pictures of the cookies afterwards, right? And one of the hows resulted in a super chewy cookie. And the other resulted in that kind of crispy um, chocolate chip cookie. And the third was kind of more cake-like. And so, you know, you and I might disagree on, on what the best chocolate chip cookie is. And those different hows get us to different outcomes. It's just so fascinating to stop and think about all the ways that how comes into change and outcome. I love the analogy. And now I'm fixated on dried cranberries because that was the last chocolate chip cookie recipe I saw had dried cranberries in it. And they were really quite delicious. But you know, your analogy really holds true because you think of all the organizations that say do environmental work or do work with the 
homeless or whatever. The what is the same. We're addressing environmental issues. We're addressing homelessness. But the how is so different. So I wonder if we could tease this out a little bit on three important nonprofit topics. We thought about boards, planning, and fundraising. Great. How's that sound? That sounds good. Let's do it. Tell me about how a board can think about their how. Well, I think this is a great question. I really, of course, so much board activity happens in meetings. So let's talk about the meeting agenda. And because I'm thinking a lot about nonprofit finance, let me go there. It's just one example of the difference between what and how. So we all know what a nonprofit board needs to talk about or needs to know about, like a balance sheet, an income statement, you have to file your IRS form 990, like the what is pretty standard. And we all could kind of get agreement around these are the things that we need to be talking about or we need to be knowing about. But how you move forward finance as an important aspect of your board conversation is a whole different matter. I mean, it's something that folks struggle with. So how do you set up a good meeting? How do you strengthen your financial literacy with your board? How do you get the quietest person in the room talking about finances? How do you make sure they know what they need to know? Those how questions invite a deeper conversation about your context, about who's on your board, and it's just a whole lot more complicated than what you should be talking about. What I love about that, Nancy, is it's that forethought that we often talk about here on the nonprofit radio show. So if I know going into my board meeting that we actually have a sort of gnarly financial question that we need to present and ultimately decide on as a group, there's the presentation of the facts, the what, but the question that really the board president and and maybe the executive director or the executive committee of the board, if it's a volunteer organization, need to be having is, how will we make that a productive conversation? How will we empower each person to feel like, even if they're not a finance expert, they can ask a good question about this. The what, we need to have a good conversation, must be supported by the how, or else you're just throwing it out there with hope, right? And you're just Mm -hmm. hoping that conversation will happen. And at least in my experience with most organizations in finance, that hope is very rarely fulfilled because a lot of board members don't feel comfortable talking about finances. So it's a great example where if you just spend a little time unpacking, well, how would someone feel comfortable asking a question? Maybe a what question comes into that too. What would they need? What other information would they need to have? How can we get conversation going? And spending the time to build that strategy, it's totally time well spent. I agree. And to round out your fantastic questions, how will we know if we've been successful? Yep. So you also see this in fundraising, that checklist analogy you brought up at the beginning uh, totally happens all the time in, in fundraising. You know, what I most often get asked by organizations is, how will I get my board to do fundraising? Right. So the staff person is scratching their head, trying to figure out, you know, how will they do it? And their answer is always the what list, right? The answer mm-hmm. is, What I need them to do is ask someone they know for money. I need them to open a door to a foundation. I need them to do these things. And then what they do is they go to the board and they say, here are all the things I need you to do for fundraising. And then the board sits there. They look uncomfortable. And maybe someone half-heartedly commits to something. And then that's the end. And what the failure in that conversation is no one's talked through the how. And that's because the how can feel kind of corny or awkward or or weird, right? What often needs to happen in fundraising is you have to actually practice or model what you're asking. So when I say I need you to 
ask this person for money and you look green and nauseous in response, (laughs) my job is to help you see how you could do that, right? And I don't even have to tell you how. We can have a conversation around how. Well, Nancy, do you feel comfortable talking to them in person? Do you feel more comfortable talking to them over Zoom? Would you rather do something in writing? Like, you help me decide how it could feel comfortable. And then I'll share examples in all of those realms of how it might work. But that how has to be dealt with. Because if you just give me an assignment and you don't teach me how to do it, I can't perform. I I don't know where to start. And especially if it's something I'm uncomfortable with, I'm just not going to do it. I love that idea of practice. If we think about what is the hard work, Mm -hmm. you know, when I ask you to help raise money, you know, what do you need to do? You need to fill a table at our next gala. That is overwhelming. I mean, that's what I need you to do possibly, but how you do it invites practice. And so, for example, every nonprofit person knows they're supposed to have an elevator pitch. And yet how many times, and of course, we all know they're supposed to have pitches more than one, but whatever, that's kind of splitting hairs at this point. We all know that we're supposed to be able to talk about what our nonprofit does. And then we move on. Stop. Practice it. Yes. Get together. If If you think about what the hard work is, make time to practice it. You know, I'm I'm just about to do a, a fundraising session with a group and I'm going to actually make them practice listening. So, you know, we're coming up on the holiday season and granted, you know, maybe there aren't as many holiday gatherings as there used to be, but there will inevitably be moments when someone will say to you, oh, you know, hi, Nancy, it's nice to meet you. And what if, you know, you, you know, how are you, what do you do here in, in your, you know, city? And you, what if you answered, well, I'm a board member of, you know, whatever, nonprofit, why? They're so amazing. And then the person says, oh, that's interesting. Nonprofit, why? Like, I I know them. And you're constantly listening then for how you can pull in some clever piece of information about what that organization is doing or the mission you're accomplishing or the need for that organization. And I call these, you know, turning the conversation to your mission, right? And we can do this over and over again. We can practice like, oh, we introduce each other and somehow I reveal that I have a dog. (laughs) And, you know, maybe your organization is the Humane Society, right? You can say, oh, I love animals too. In fact, that's why I'm on the board of the, you know, local feral cat group or whatever it is Um, and find a way to turn it. But if we don't practice, if we just say, hey, Nancy, next time you're in a social setting, would you bring up? our feral cat society, you're not going to know what to do. That sounds horrible, right? Mm -hmm. But when you make it into this kind of, not a game, but this like effort where we can play at and practice at, and I can see, oh, that was kind of fun. I snuck it in, you know, (laughs) it feels easy and I'm more likely to do it. I think what how allows us to do is explore the context. And so your listening exercise is so important because essentially any piece of information has to fit into a larger context. And by positioning all of this into how I would do it, I have to be nimble. If we're practicing this conversation and you're not a member of the Feral Cat Society, you're actually, you know, very into equine therapy. I need to be ready to pivot and talk about, you know, large animals as opposed to little animals. Exactly. Context. Exactly. Exactly. And it it makes it more lively and fun. I mean, I I would argue that that exercise is more engaging than just asking me to go write down my speech and memorize it. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. I should be living and breathing the mission and I should feel comfortable 
pulling it in and out of conversations, but that takes practice. It just does. Mm -hmm. So the third way that how and what come into play is in planning. And, you know, we all know that we need a strategic plan, but it's really the how we do planning. That's where the rubber meets the road, right? You know, we all talk about that strategic plan that sits on the shelf and we never, ever do anything with it. And this is where looking at not only the how in the plan, so how your organization moves forward and making sure that that shows up in the plan, but even how you do planning is important and whether it is right size to your organization and it solves the problems that you're facing and not what you know supposed best practice says you should be doing. Absolutely. And, and I think that Nancy is such a critical point. You know, I know a lot of us are constantly reading, you know, what should I be doing to help my nonprofit? I mean, if you're listening to this radio show, you care about making your nonprofit better. And that right sizing or making sure it fits your context and culture is so essential because it's really easy to take the advice and layer on, you know, something that just doesn't fit your organization at all. And then it's actually worse than having done something. So strategic planning, I think, is a terrific example of there not being one right how. There's no one right way to do it. The right way to do it is that it's scratching the itches of your organization at this moment. And in fact, the way you strategic plan in 2021 might be different than the way you strategic plan for the very same organization in 2023. And that's okay. You should be carefully and thoughtfully selecting your how so that it meets where your organization is. So for example, who's involved in strategic planning is a question I get asked all the time, as if there's one answer. There's not one answer. (laughs) Certainly a board has to be involved. But if it's only the board, that might fit for an organization where it is right now. Maybe the visioning is what's missing and staff input needs to come in so the board can have a you know, big enough aperture for the vision. But the board is responsible for the vision. In other organizations' moment in time, you want the staff and the board engaged together because what you want at the end of the day is a shared ownership of, of the strategic plan. They both can be the right thing for an organization at the right time. And what this comes down to is acknowledging where is my organization and what's our biggest need right now. And that then drives your how. Mm. So again, we're back to context. Totally. I love it. You know, so Sarah, it would be really awkward if we pointed out this problem without giving giving any tips on how to solve it. Wouldn't that be awkward? Yes, that would not be good. (laughs) (laughs) So here are some tips on how to shift from what to how. I think, you know, obviously the first thing is to recognize that there's a big difference between what and how, and as much as possible to just flip and to pivot so that you're, okay, that's what needs to happen. Let's talk about how to do it. That means slowing down. That means really pausing. And, you know, before you lock into a meeting agenda or a PowerPoint or whatever you want people to do, slow down and make a list of the what, and then make a list of the how how people could move forward. Think about that hard work because that's what people need to practice, right? What is typically holding people back and make sure you practice that. I think finally, my, my last thought on this is to get curious. You know, we've been asking, you know, Sarah earlier, just a few minutes ago, just listed a ton of questions. And those are all questions that invite us to be curious. Yep. And questions are what engage people, right? 
that's the invitation into the conversation. That's not, I've got it all solved. Don't worry. And really as a nonprofit organization, remember we do hard work in our communities. We do the work that doesn't have simple and straightforward answers. We want to be inviting people in. And the how is this perfect opportunity to invite people into your conversation. For sure. I think about a recent conversation about life cycles and how the the folks having the conversation were talking about all the things that you know, you need to know in order to grow your organization. So what kind of free tech solutions, what kind of, you know, pro bono legal assistance, how do you use, you know, what accounting programs? And really, when we think about the hard questions about nonprofit life cycle, yeah, there's all those free services and that's all there. But the hard questions are, how do I really transition from a baby organization to an adolescent? How do I grow my board and and hire my first staff person? That's the how. How do I deal with a a strategic plan that's flailing and we're flopping around and we might go out of business? I mean, those are some of the the hard questions. Right. And and the how is where your values shine through, right? Mm -hmm. If you are aligning your how with what you value, then that's when you know you've reached the sweet spot. So it's a super important, it's a super important element to really spend the time to think about. What's our word of the week? All right, Nancy. Well, it's got to be how, right? I agree. (laughs) Um, And so at least for me, when I think about the word how, which I will admit until you raised this topic with me, I had not spent a lot of time thinking about. So thank you. Thank you for opening my eyes to the, to the many facets of how. But what's interesting, when if I had to like come up with a synonym for how in my mind, I go to method. And what I think is so interesting about a method is that a method usually implies that there's some reason or philosophy or value behind it. I keep going back to when my daughter was a baby and I can't remember whose sleep method I was trying, but I think I tried like seven different sleep methods, right? To get her to sleep through the night. And each one was grounded in some theory, like your child will feel most comforted if X, Y, or Z has happened, or, you know, what a child needs at this phase is A, B, or C. They were all, all these methods, which is what they were called, all had some theory or thought or philosophy behind them. And that's, where I keep coming to with our hows should also have those theories or philosophies or values behind them so that our organization is in alignment. I love that. I just had a flashback to that ferberizing night with my baby girl and oh, yeah. hard. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. So, when I think about how, I just love the word. I have to say, because it's so much richer and more multidimensional than what. It invites us to think about the experience behind an action or the conditions, the context, all those things that we've been talking about. It's so much more open-ended. You know, if I ask, you know, what do I need to do? That's a finite checklist. If I ask, how do I do it? There's so much richness and texture to that. I don't know why this occurred to me, but when, when we were talking about this, I thought about Elizabeth Barrett Browning's poem And just think about what a different poem it would have been if she started with, what ways do I love thee? Instead, she says, how do I love thee? And I, you know, we could have so much fun in a nonprofit context. How do I love thee when I have no money? How do I love (laughs) thee when my volunteers don't show up? But just the how evokes such a more emotional kind of connection of the heart. I really appreciate, Nancy, that you have brought to my light the what versus how conundrum. 
And I hope our listeners feel that way too. You know, at the end of the day, we know that all of our listeners are doing such important work and it requires bringing your community together around the ways that you are going to accomplish your mission and how those ways, how those hows reflect your values. We imagine that you have a general sense of what you need to do. You're probably pretty good at that. We hope that this conversation invites you into even more conversations with others about how you're going to do this. You've got this. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Radio Show. If you like what you heard on today's episode, please consider sharing the podcast and rating us on your favorite podcast site. Your support is the best way for us to reach more people. We invite you to look at the show notes at nonprofitradioshow.com for ideas on how to bring these conversations into your organization or to tell us what you'd like to hear next. Nonprofit Radio Show is produced by Nancy Bacon and Sarah Brooks. Editing and post-production are provided by Margaret Mep Schulte of Three Choices Creative Communications. Music is by Riley Crabtree. Together, we are inspired by you and other nonprofit leaders doing important work in our communities.